Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ tissue and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. Tell your friends. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. And I'm Nyla Schwab. Coming up on episode 230. We'll be talking to a couple members of Soda National. Wow, how they've grown. We're also going to be talking about, you've heard people say, what if? Yeah. What if we just kind of thought about, what is it? Oh, it always makes us think here <laughs> on The Gifted Life. That and more, guys. Hang on to your hats. Hey, guys, here on The Gifted Life podcast, a familiar topic, but a new voice. Nicole, how are you? Doing good today. How are you? Good. Nicole Nidea is with us from Soda. So we talked about Soda on episodes 119, 198. So if you guys want to go to thegiftedlife.org, check those out. It's a little background about what we're going to be talking about today. Um, And as we prep for this interview, we were like, man, Soda has come so far. So Soda, uh, for those not familiar, is student organ donation advocates, and they are doing amazing things here in Louisiana and in other states across the country and there's no stopping and they're doing great things. So Nicole, we appreciate you joining us. She serves as their program um, director. How are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on the show today so I can provide some updates to your audience about Soda. Yeah, so catch us up for those who who don't know. Soda is what and how did it get started? So Soda, like you said, stands for Student Organ Donation Advocate. And what we do is we help students, high school, college, and grad students advocate for organ eye and tissue donation through chapters. So we have 60 chapters now across the country, including one in Louisiana. Nice. We're going to tout on that one just Mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) close to our heart. (laughs) And so tell us about some of the the fun things. We see the the fun uh, pictures on on you guys' site, sodanational.org. But these chapters, what are some of the things that, that they do that really help kids learn about donation? Yeah, so students play a really critical role in reducing the organ shortage. Obviously, I'm biased. I was actually a soda chapter leader when I was in college, so I've seen the power firsthand of soda chapters. However, experts agree with us. There's actually a research study by Dr. Arthur J. Rubin. He found that schools are ideal environments for organ eye and tissue donation advocacy because students are primed to learn. But another key part of that is peer-to-peer advocacy. Yeah, I believe in that. Yeah. Yeah. Students are more likely to register if they know somebody else who supports donation. So it makes a lot of sense for students to educate their friends about organ eye and tissue donation and register others. So that's what our sort of chapters do. They focus on education and registration through student-led events. So everything that sort of does is student-led and student plans. And um, our student national team, which is two full-time staff, so me plus one other, we actually just traveled to George Mason University in Virginia last month to be a part of a registration drive that Soda at George Mason was hosting. And that was a really special event because we were joined by the Association of Organ Procurement Organizations and Infinite Legacy, their OPO, to put on this wonderful registration drive with the students. 
Uh, I love it. And that's what what I focus on and volunteering and on those campuses. And I think you're right uh, when they hear from, you know, somebody in their sorority or somebody that's in the band with them or something like that that has a tie. uh, I mean, they really hone in, they listen and they understand. So I love that um, you guys are doing this ripple effect across the country. Um, So bring Sarah into the conversation. If you go back and listen in the archives, um, Sarah actually started this to honor um, her loved ones. So kind of give us the, the background of how this um, got started and where you were when she first visited with us and where you are now, which is pretty incredible. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with Sarah's story, she's a donor sister. Her sister passed away when Sarah was 12 years old. And Sarah played a really important role in allowing her sister to be an organ donor. Sarah's parents believed organ donation supported it, but it was a hard conversation for them to have talking about their 14-year-old daughter, Laura. But a social worker approached Sarah about her sister becoming an organ donor, and Sarah said, hey, mom and dad, we really need to let Laura be an organ donor so that no other family will lose a loved one like we did. So Laura was an organ donor, and she saved the life of Trish through liver donation. And after that experience, people would ask Sarah what it was like to live without her sister. And those were difficult conversations to have because of the great loss. But she was able to shift them into something really positive when she was able to share that Laura was an organ donor. During those conversations, Sarah saw that not only was the conversation more positive, but people's perceptions about organ donation were more positive and they would respond with things like, oh, I want to be an organ donor now, or oh, I would want my loved ones to be organ donors. So she began telling her story to everyone that would listen. She would go to her youth ed group or Dartmouth ed classes in her neighborhood in Milwaukee where she grew up to share her story. And she wanted to continue this advocacy when she went to college. So one of the first things that she did was flip through the student group directory to find out if other students were advocating for organ donation on campus at Washington University in St. Louis, but there was no group just focused on organ donation. So she thought the next best step would be to go to St. Louis's OPO, Mid-America Transplant, and get trained as a volunteer. At that volunteer training, she met two other passionate students who also wanted to advocate on for donation on campus. So they founded the first ever set of chapter at WashU. There's a lot of challenges to start that first ever set of chapter. They had to build a brand, create a mission, fundraise, figure out the best ways to partner with their OPO, but they had a lot of success that other students were noticing that success. So they decided to begin expanding soda to help those students so that no other student would have to struggle with organ donation advocacy. It could be fast and easy. And like I said, today we now help 60 chapters across the country advocate for organ donation. And since Sarah founded that original set of chapter in 2014, our students have educated over 77,000 people about the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation and registered nearly 6,000 people as donors. And you're not stopping, right? Mm-mm. No, no, no. <laughs> That's we have, incredible. <laughs> thank you. We have a big goal to have 100 chapters by the end of 2025. So we're definitely not stopping anytime soon. Oh, and then I feel like, man, you're friends, Nicole, yeah. because mm-hmm. I get your emails. 
a lot um, because you guys always have something going on. But the thing that caught my eye lately was something about Donate Life America and soda. Can you fill us in? Yes. So we have been friends with Donate Life America basically since the beginning, and we've served on their youth education committee since 2020, I believe. But we just officially partnered together. And so we are going to be leveraging the Donate Life brand together to unite working donation advocates and save lives together. Nice, nice. And so are you doing that through these chapters? How does that work? Yes, we will be integrating the Donate Life brand even more into our chapters now throughout our almost, I guess, nine years of existence, our students have always integrated the Donate Life brand into their chapters. But now this partnership is going to be really strong with this official announcement now. It's unbelievable when I uh, think about where we were a couple years ago, you know, speaking to you guys and where you guys are now. It's 60 chapters and 77,000 people educated. That is quite amazing. And it's, a, it's certainly uh, something that you guys should be very proud of. If I was a student at, uh, say, a, a school that didn't have a chapter, a soda, uh, what would I do? What kind of steps would I take to, to get you guys uh, to notice and, and to, to get involved myself? Like I said, it's really our mission to make advocacy easy for students. So our application process is really easy as well. There are three steps to start us at a chapter. The first step is to take our eligibility quiz where you share some more information about yourself and your campus. Then you should find a team of three total students. So you plus two others to help you lead that chapter. And then you'll submit an official sort of chapter application on our website. All of this information and the links are at slash student. I work with families after donation occurs, or maybe donation didn't happen, but we continue to support the families. And I'm just thinking about ways that I can help support SODA. And so I'm wondering for families, say they have a high school student, and maybe they're not ready to go big, but they just, they just, they're an individual just taking a step wanting to honor their loved one. Is there is there any suggestions for that? Or is there a way that they can be involved and maybe not be the person has, that has to lead that drive? Yeah, so you, your thinking is amazing because there are usually two different types of students that get involved with SOTA. The first student has a personal connection to donation, just like you mentioned, they might be part of a donor family, they might be a transplant recipient, or they might know somebody who's waiting for a transplant. So that's perfect. Mm-hmm. The second type of student is usually the type of student who wants to go into a medical career. So they might want to be a doctor, a nurse, technician of some sort. So like I said, your thinking is really aligned with our structure already. If you're looking for a lower commitment option, if you're not ready to start a set of chapter yet, we also provide free support and resources to students who want to host one-off events. So that information is on sodanational.org slash students as well. And the application process is very similar starting a set of chapter. The only difference is you'll um, submit an event funding application instead of a chapter application, and you don't need a full team of three. And of course, the time commitment is lower as well, because you'll be hosting one event and trying out advocacy versus committing to many, many events as part of a set of chapter. 
Yeah, I think that's really wonderful. That's helpful for me to know, too, as a as someone who supports families, because we have so many families that just aren't sure what they want to do next, but they're... And that's where we... I, and I, they need I, the support, yeah. Yeah, and I hand them over to Lori and community, but I, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for saying that I think amazing. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to get day. you to start a chapter, another one. Uh, you got a fan. <laughs> So, Nicole, if there was a, a pre-existing group already on, on campus and they're named and they have their president and those kinds of things, but they um, maybe wanted to partner with you guys in some ways that the same thinking, they can just call you guys and see if there's any work that you guys can do together? Exactly. We've helped existing student groups that have a focus on organ donation at other campuses already, and we've provided them with the same resources we provide our students. So mentorship, supplies how-to guides, and event funding. That event funding is really special because that's $200 per campus, per semester, just waiting for you. So don't let that money go to waste if you're a student out there who might be interested in hosting your own advocacy events on campus. Okay, that was for a personal question. We're going yeah. to get you guys more involved in Louisiana. So we're all taking notes over here. Um, but Nicole, tell us how, I know that you said that you led a group, but do you have a personal tie to donation? You're very passionate about it, very excited about what you guys are doing. So tell us um, why you do it, why you do it, and why you do it so passionately. Yeah, so I actually got involved with SOTA a year after Sarah founded that first original SOTA chapter at WashU. So it was in 2015 when I was introduced to SOTA at Washington University in St. Louis, which is where I also attended school. Sarah was a year ahead of me and I was a first year student at the time. I didn't know much about organ donation, but I saw that they were hosting a tour of a surgical suite. And I thought I want to go to medical school at the time. So it sounded really cool to me. That yeah. surgical suite actually ended up being at Mid-American Transplant, but I didn't know what an OPO was at the time. I didn't know much about organ donation. But at that event, Mid-American Transplant shared more information about organ donation. And they also met Sarah. And Sarah told me about Laura. From then on, I have been an organ donation advocate and sort of prepared me really well for my future career in nonprofits. After graduation, I started a career at a local nonprofit here in St. Louis, which is where I'm still based. And I also experienced the personal connection organ donation for the first time. My boyfriend's father passed away, and I was there during the entire process of him potentially becoming an organ donor. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to be an organ donor, but I saw all the important work that Mid-America Transplant was doing to support donor families for the first time firsthand. I heard about it for so many years, but this is the first time I truly experienced it. So I reached out to Sarah and I told her how I wanted to volunteer with the National because they just became an official 501c3 nonprofit at the time in 2020. And I have been involved with the National ever since. I became the first ever full-time employee in 2021. You know what? I really appreciate you sharing your story because when you were talking, it just made me think about when you said, I, I got to see all the work mm -hmm. that goes behind donation, even though this gentleman was unable to be a donor. And I think that that's something that I will take take forward your words because there is so much that goes behind um, trying to make donation happen. But it's just the fact that somebody says yes to donation with that intention to help people, whether it's to sign up to volunteer, whether it's to share a story, um, talk to their family, or say yes to donation. And, and it's not that maybe it it's going to happen. It's it's happening just with that ripple effect of us 
moving forward, educating and sharing about donation. So thank you. Thank you for those kind words and for all you do as an organ procurement organization for donor families and transplant recipients. We love our little family here and and love supporting our families, Um, but we think it's a great thing that you guys are doing. Uh, We always try to um, spread the good works of SOTA. If you're listening now and you want to check it out, um, sodanational.org is kind of a one-stop shop. Good job with that. Um, You can go there. um, You can sign up. You can ask questions. You can learn more. So, Nicole, keep up the good work. Tell Miss Sarah and her crew we said hello, and you guys are welcome back anytime. I will. Thank you so much again for having me today so I could provide these updates to your audience. It's that time. Time for a moment for mental health. Yeah, what if... We take at least a few moments to talk about what is. <laughs> Clever. <laughs> Ooh, Joey, you thought about that, huh? That was good. Uh, yeah, all right. So I do a lot of what ifing, and that can that can mm-hmm. lead to anxiety. Mm-hmm. It can lead to fear. Uh, it can take us into the future instead of keeping us here in the present. And, and so instead of like, what if, what if you could change that to what is? What is happening right now? What is the situation right now? So, I mean, what if can you be brainstorming if you need to, but maybe put a time limit on it? So if somebody is fearful, maybe making a list of all the things, the what ifs that could happen, but stopping it. So in after 15 minutes, if you can't think of anything else to put on that piece of paper, let's go to the what is. So if you were to come into a, a meeting and say, because, you know, like you've been in meetings, Joey, y'all have lots of meetings. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people come in with all sorts of opinions, thoughts feelings and and it and it can really distract a meeting but sometimes just coming in with a a discussion around okay what is it and 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 then that's your naming the problem and then it allows you to have some brain space because you're not going into fight or flight with your your anxiety Mm -hmm, or fear mm -hmm. because you're in the present figuring out what it is so if somebody comes to me, and Lori, we were talking about somebody today that is kind of struggling, and and there are a lot of unknowns and uncertainties, mm-hmm. and with change, there's unknowns and uncertainties. But if you can kind of focus on what you have right now to work with, it allows you to kind of step back and and problem solve, solution, mm-hmm. and 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 find less fear, but more more cognitive. I don't know, more thinking. As I get older, that's easier to do. I think back in the day, it's just you lived in in fear. Like, oh, what if I didn't say that? If it would have gone this way instead of going this way, then I would be in a better place. But you're right, not getting to the, okay, this is where I am. Can't Mm -hmm. change what just happened. Mm -hmm. So how do we fix it? Like, what can we live with moving forward? So No, that's a good way to put it. It's it's really you you get to change your focus on, oh, my goodness, what if I would have done this differently? And Mm -hmm. your insecurity starts setting in as opposed to being kind of secure mm-hmm. where you are now and, and and understanding, okay, this is what it is. This is my what if. I said this or I did this. And how do we improve things going forward? Because that's all it's about. Like we can't, we can't just dwell in the past. We mm-hmm. can't just say, okay, or what if this would have happened different or what if that would happen different? What we can do is figure out what is it that I can do? What right is the now. problem? And what is it that we can do collect- collectively to improve 
positive motion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's kind of taking your hard to better. Because, I mean, if I if yeah. I have a flat tire on the interstate, that would freak me out. Right. And that is a fear of mine when I have to drive long distances. But, I mean, if it happens, it is what it is. So what am I going to do about it? But if I just sit there on the side of the road and cry, which I might for a few minutes. Right. But then I'd have to decide what to do. Or I could just wait to see if somebody's going to come by and give me a helping hand and hope that somebody doesn't hit me, you know, because I'm on the interstate and my husband's really scared me about that. But. But I could, you know, start going into the thinking mode. Like, I'm right now, I have a flat tire, I've got to find, you know, safety. So let's just start making some phone calls. Think, 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 think. Yeah. You know, so I think there's a lot of, there's there's a big, there's a big switch. Mm-hmm. If we can go instead of what if to what is. Oh, I like that. A thinker. You have a topic you'd like us to cover here on The Gifted Life? Simply email us info at thegiftedlife.org. In our question and answer segment, this one comes from one of our listeners. I would like to share information about the gift of donation at my high school. How can I do that? Lori, this one clearly is for you. I love these questions. Well, we just had this amazing conversation about these folks who want to spread donation education across the country. Uh, We're talking high schools, colleges, graduate schools, so they're willing to help you. Um, So if you're not in Louisiana, um, I would contact sodanational.org or contact the OPO. They're probably working together. I know that Soda does a lot of work with with us here in Louisiana. If you're in Louisiana, lopa.org is how you get in touch with us. Uh, We just passed a law in 2023 that talks about our high schoolers learning about donation before they graduate. Um, And that was done after one of our heroes, Allie Ringe. And so that has opened the door for conversations and getting us in the door of schools that we hadn't entered before. And um, so it's easier than ever now. We just need a donation champion on campus that can be a student, that can be the mom of a student, that can be a teacher, counselor, band director, anybody like that, that says, hey, I think this group of kids would benefit from hearing about this, talking about this. Can you start the conversation? Um, all of us will listen and all of us will run to your campus. We just need the opportunity. So it's the cl- a click on the computer these days. It's that simple. Just reach out and say, hey, I'm thinking about it. And we'd love to help you make life happen. That easy. Thank you, Lori. If you have a question, give us a call. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Chad Michael Griffin. We learn about Chad from his family. Chad lived for his music. Born into a musical family, he showed amazing talent on a variety of instruments and possessed the most beautiful, soulful, silky voice. He could rock the house when playing heavy metal songs, the louder the better. Chad's stage attire was typically shades of black, white, and gray. Even though Chad's heartbeat stopped, the beat goes on for all of those saved by organ donation. And now we pause and say thank you to Chad for the gift of life. guys learn so much episode 230 of the gifted life thanks for listening tell your friends remember you can register as an organ tissue and eye donor anytime registerme.org yeah and thanks to nicole nidea for coming on and for helping to expand soda to go national i mean look we're talking about 77 
thousand people educated, sixty chapters, and still continuing to blow up. Yeah. So for them to do what they're doing, it's it makes our job, yeah, you know, easier, and it makes because that's what we're trying to do here. Everybody's yeah. trying to get the word out, spread uh, donation awareness, and for them to do it in such a manner that's just taking off. It's so great to see. Peer-to-peer education. Love it. I know Lori and I have been very privileged to see a young girl. Her mother was a donor Mm -hmm. and she just really wanted to do something. And she's like, what can I do? And she is on a college campus and it's really spearheaded, you know, donation awareness. And people that signed up, like you, you're curious why people signed up. Some people want to go into the medical field, thinks that this would be a good thing. Some people knew a donor, like the girl who's yeah. leading this. And some people knew um, of other heroes in Louisiana or recipients. And so it's so great to see that ripple effect. And they all just want to do good. Like, this yeah. is my yeah. way to help honor my friend. They don't or have my to loved do one. it. Yeah, yeah they're just a, doing it. It's all inspiring. Altruism. Yeah. So we get to witness greatness. So. Good work to them. The best place to find us is at our website, guys, thegiftedlife.org. We hope that you spread the word. Listen there and find links to listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating. It really helps others find us. And on social, you can like our Facebook page, The Gifted Life Podcast. You could also follow us on Instagram at giftedlifepod. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Our ask is that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Bye-bye. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Nyla Schwab. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. 